So Christmas is over. Hope, did you guys have a nice Christmas? It comes by so fast, doesn't it? It seems like this huge rush and getting all the gifts, getting everything together, and then before you know it, it's over. It's just crazy. Um, we were coming late home on a Christmas night, and my daughter was making a comment. Oh, the music's about to change over, and so we're just like three different channels that had constant Christmas music, so we kept on flipping, trying to find the best Christmas music just to savor it for a, a few more minutes, you know, and we got Elvis Presley's Blue Christmas, and I'm not sure why they chose that as one of the last songs, but it is funny, right at the very end, 12 o'clock, we're getting closer to home, and the, the commercials change, the music changes, and we kept them flipping channels, and like, it's all changed. It's almost like Christmas didn't exist anymore. For one minute, it's, well, the blue Christmas, and the next thing, it's, it's the 26th. It's all over, you know, so. Well, I don't know, do you guys have a nice 2018? I know that as a church family, um, there's some exciting things that took place. There's, um, there was a marriage that we're all very excited about. Uh, sadly, there was a death. We lost a dear loved one. And uh, some people, certain years, people go, I just can't wait for the year to be over. My coworker, he was complaining, he said, 2018's been so expensive, I can't wait for 2018 to be over because it's been so expensive for him. I work in a pharmacy, so it's a retail pharmacy, so it's not like as extreme as maybe a hospital pharmacy where life or death situations, but you get to know people. And sadly, this year I lost two longtime customers, one to cancer and one to uh, on-the-job injury. He actually was, he was a, worked on a shipyard and got hit by a ship and uh, don't know the details about it, but that's just sad stuff, you know. But then comes the new year, and people are optimistic about the new year. And uh, does anyone ever do New Year's resolutions? Anybody brave enough to... People ever like to say, I would like to do New Year's resolutions, but I think I'm going to fail? That's me. That's why I was like, I don't know. I'm going to fail, you know. I don't want to do something half-hearted, you know. But a lot of people do New Year's resolutions. Hey, real quick. You ever seen those Christmas commercials where someone gets a brand new car? Did that happen to anybody here? Someone must get a car. I've never seen, I've never known anyone that gets a brand new car with a big bow on it, but I just think, always it kind of annoys me, those commercials, but like, as I walk in, as I drive my 93 Ranger. Um, back to what we're talking about, New Year's resolutions. Well, I've got a list here, which I like guess here are the New Year's resolutions that people most choose. Guess what, you get to hear it anyways. Number one, <laughs> losing weight. Number one thing people want for the New Year is to lose weight. Two, exercising more which I thought was kind of interesting because I thought first would be exercising and then maybe exercising more, but they put exercising more. Three, quitting smoking. Also made the list was managing debt, saving money, getting a better job or education, reducing stress, taking a trip, or volunteering. So I thought it was kind of interesting. You look at those, all those different things. There's two things that really stand out. One is, getting a little feed there, maybe. Did I lower it, maybe? Up higher, okay. I will go higher. Um, two things. One has to do with your health, your physical health. Two, your finances. I just thought it was interesting. But if you lump them all together, one thing that's clear about all those things, they're all positive. When it comes to 2019, people are excited for something new. They're hopeful for something new. They need to be higher? I'm going higher. Okay. Okay. I hear a little bit of a buzz there, screechy noise there. And who says, you know, 2019, I'm hoping to sit on my couch and gain 10 more pounds. 
No one does that. Everybody's excited for something new. Something's hopeful. That's nice. New things are hopeful. A new marriage, a new baby, a new car. Those are exciting things. A new job. Maybe this will be a job that's better pay. It'll be better hours for me, and I can spend more time with my family. We like things that are new. We like things. There's part of us that is optimistic for change. Do you like change or do you not like change? I kind of realized a long time ago, I'm really not a fan of change. I like things to say consistent. I had a friend, and uh, she loved change. And then she realized change didn't always go her way, and she realized she wasn't such a fan of change. So my theory about change is we like change if it goes, if we get to choose the change. If we get to choose, hey, there's a better job for you out there. Hey, I'll take it. Hey, you know, there is, there's this new opportunity. Hey, yeah, I will choose that because I'm in control. There's some changes in our life we don't have any control over, and that's when we really don't like it. So, change. Change is kind of required in our life. You know, diets are easy to do when you're full. But when you're hungry, you're walking by the pizza parlor, and they got pizza by the slice, and they got the New York pizza, change becomes much harder. But do we really need to think about change? And our text today is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 18. I'm going to read it real quick, and we're going to come back to it. But just to start to percolating with you here. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image and ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our spiritual lives, we're doing pretty good, I think, right? I feel like I'm doing okay. You might, you might have your own checklist here. I'm pretty spiritual. I go to church. You guys all went to church today. Check. Good job, guys. Already saved by grace, right? Hey, if I'm saved by grace, it's not by works. The Word says so. So I don't need any change, right? Check. I even tithe. That's a bonus, right? I'm golden. Check. I'm heaven-bound. I'm heaven-bound. So check. My spiritual life is done, Right? But like Pastor Jeff likes to say, I'm going to paraphrase this in case I'm not identical. God loves us just the way we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. Uh, he said it many times, and I've actually used it in my sermons before as well, because I think it's so true to the heart of God. In Philippians 1.6, Paul writes to the Philippian church, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That means when you gave your life to Jesus, he didn't say, okay, we're done with you. No, he said, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you, but I'm going to work on you, and I'm going to help make you look like me until the day of Christ Jesus, basically until the real presence of God. What are some lies about being transformed? One, I'm too old. I'm too set my ways. Everybody get that age, getting a little older, going... But I like it this way. When you're younger, it's easy to make those changes. They get older, you're like, I like things a certain way. But when you're a follower of Jesus, he will constantly work on your heart. He will constantly want to change things, not to make your life hard, 
because he has great plans for you. There was a guy named Harold Eisel in our church uh, quite a few years ago. And uh, at a men's group, I remember, he's like, he was in his 70s, and where all the guys were just sharing about their life. And here's a guy in his 70s, he mentioned some things he was struggling with and what things God was working in his heart. I was so, I was, it, it, I was so impressed by that, that here's a guy that didn't say, I've got it all figured out. Here's a guy that's still working through his faith, that is still fully confident and still committed to Jesus, yet he still recognized, even in his 70s, that there were things that needed to change and that he wanted to change. That's a life. That's, that's a godly life that wants to strive to be more like Jesus. Another lie. This is just how I am. Or this is how my family is. We're just a bunch of family of overreactors. This is what we do. It's just our heritage. Oh, we don't like to deal with our problems. That's how we do things in our family. We just don't resolve things. We just pretend it doesn't exist. Maybe it's other things. Well, yeah, we, we drink too much. That's just how it is. You can pick the thing. Every family's got its ups and downs, highs and lows parts. But that's not good enough in God's eyes because God's called you to a higher life. Are you at your best or are you just at your normal? Are you at God's best? Well, here's some truths about being transformed. One, life is short. When you're younger, you feel like you got your whole life ahead of you, and there's so much time. And yes, you do, but I gotta tell you guys, it goes by so fast. I know I don't look it, but I'm 48. I know, I know, shocked. You can, you can you close your jaws now, it's being a little awkward now, but you know, just. But as you get older, you realize. Life goes by fast, and we're called to make the most of it. Ask yourself, how am I spending my time? Is what I'm doing a waste of time? Or is it something I could be doing that's more beneficial? Maybe for myself or for somebody else? And I'm not saying it's nothing wrong without relaxing. I'm just, I'm all about relaxing. I like to sit down and kick my feet up, probably more than the next guy. But there's sometimes when my, my relaxing just becomes quite, quite lazy. We need to be intentional with some of the choices that we make in our life. Two, life is a gift. Life is a gift that's given from God. Don't waste what God has given you. Use it. Your life matters. And your life matters to the people around you. You may not always know it, and they may not always say it, but your life matters. And your life has impact on others. And there's so many opportunities in your life where God wants to use you in different people's lives, but you may not hear it because we're so focused on ourselves. Three, the third truth, God wants to use you with all your bumps and bruises, with all your weaknesses. We can give a, a, a list of all the things why God shouldn't use us and why we're not good enough to do something. But I got to tell you, if you wait to look good, you'll never get there. God wants to use you right now, right where you're at, right with your flaws, young or old. You're never too young to be used by God. You're never too young to make a difference in your schools. You're never too old. 
It's interesting in our society, at some age, people start saying, well, it's time for me to retire. And yes, you can retire from your jobs, but you never retire from making a difference in other people's lives. You're never too old to make a difference. I'm going to tell you right now, the younger generations need you. They need your example. They need to know how to walk this life out. Because as families break down and the family structure breaks down, they need to know, we, the people need to see that. Uh, like I was saying before, I work in a pharmacy. I work with different customers. And one guy just shares me just the other day. And he, just, he was grumbling about something. It wasn't towards me, but he's, he's grumbling about his grandson because he was concerned about his grandson because he was making right choices. And I just said, I just encouraged him. I actually said, I don't always do this, but I said, I'll be praying for you. Because I saw this grandpa caring so much about his grandson. He wanted his grandson to make better choices. And I, I, I'm sure that's going to help. Ask yourself, could the people in your life benefit from, from a better you? Could you be a better friend to your friends? Could you be a better husband or wife to your spouse? Could you be a better father or mother? Maybe your kids are little. Maybe you find yourself being impatient. Or maybe on the other end, your kids are grown. And yes, your kids are grown. It still matters. Your mom and dad, your kids are grown. You still have impact on their life. They still care what you think. They love to hear your support. They love to hear your encouragement. They love to hear about your involvement. Never stop praying for them. Could you be a better son or better daughter? Once again, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're 7 or 48, which is not that old. Could you be a better employee or a better boss? You may grumble saying, I have not received a raise in two years. They owe it to me. But that's not what they really need. If you're agreeing to work there, you work hard. Be the example. Can you be a better boss? Yeah, the things get done, but do you see what's going on in their lives? Do you see struggles going on there? Is there a reason for that? I heard this recently, I was talking to my boss and how there's how uh, interesting enough there was some workers that were not working right, and one person wanted to just wipe them out, just saying, hey, you're not, you're not cutting it, we're going we're gonna to replace you. Another, a new boss came in and actually talked to people. Why are you underperforming? What's going on? I actually went and found out there was good reasons things were not working out. They worked those problems. It wasn't the employee was bad. There was bad situations. But that boss had enough compassion for what was going on in their lives was able to fix it. Could you be a better neighbor? Some neighbors are easy to have around. They're very sweet. We had neighbors on Christmas Day give us a, a nice a jar of cookies. That was so nice of them. We didn't do anything for them. We should do something for them. And then there's other neighbors who burn plastic in their fireplace and smells up my backyard. And own chickens. And the smell blows into my backyard. And one time they owned a car in their backyard. I don't even know how they got it in there, but they did. So those people, and I might just be bringing specific facts or maybe just off the top of my head. It's not, it's true. Those people are harder to love sometimes. But Jesus still wants me to love them. How can I be a better neighbor to that person? And another way of saying this, could they benefit from someone being more like Jesus in their lives? At work, when I'm working, am I working like James Toady, or could I be more like Jesus 
maybe I can have a bit more patience. Maybe, maybe some of us, we need to work a little harder. We need to have appreciation that we have a job. Appreciate what we've been given. And we talk about Christ wanting to make us more like himself. He doesn't want to take us away. God has made each one of us unique and special. And I don't think everyone wants to take that away. But he wants to bring out the best you there is. My family could use the best James Toady in their life. You may see that yourself. What's the best I can be? I like to make a list. From time to time, I make a list. My wife is laughing at me because I make a list, but they don't always get done. Shopping list. You ever done this? You go, oh, I need to pick up these five things, and you go home, you realize the one thing you really needed because you're making tacos, you forget the tortillas. You ever done that kind of thing? Or my wife will say, hey, can you pick up milk? And I'll be home. So I'll go pick up some things. I'll pick up these other things while I'm here. And then I go home, or I start going home realizing I forgot the milk. Lists are great because they help you not forget things. A Christmas list. I don't know about you guys, but I make all the kids make a list. What do you guys want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? And then even I'll say, put a star by the things you really want for Christmas. It doesn't mean you're going to get it, but at least helps us understand. And it helps. Anybody do that kind of thing too? Okay, so it's just me. That's okay. To-do lists, indoor, outdoor. All these are things I look and I go, wow, I make lists and I go back and look two months later and go, yeah, I got some of those things done. Yes, some of those things are still on that list. But the toughest list we can make is about ourselves, our spiritual selves. If we take an inventory on ourselves, what do we see? It's fear on that list. Fear gets the best of me. Is it worry? Maybe it's anger or doubt. A negative view of myself. I'm too judgmental. What is on your list? What are the things that start cropping up going, those are ugly things I don't like about myself. Those are things that are holding me back. What's on your list? What needs to change? What has God been showing you? God's not out to beat you down make you feel like an awful person. Because sometimes, I, I really do believe he will bring things up for you to see the ugliness of some things and saying, I think it's time we work on this. What do you say? In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're going back to this one. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Contemplate. Think about. Are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. With, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Glory to glory, is what our, our translation says, from increasing glory to glory to glory. It's stages. I was looking at some pictures just recently of my, of my kids, and it's just like less than two years, and I can look, and they're still my kids, but I can see how they've changed in just a little less than two years. My youngest daughter doesn't have the same little cute little round cheeks she had, there's little, little baby cheeks that she had. My son... He still has the same face, but he's definitely taller than he was. And it's just, it's fun to see. It's also kind of like, wow. It, it, it happened so gradually, I didn't even notice it was happening. And God's working on your life. It can be that way as well. You may not notice it one day or the next, but a year later, you might realize, I'm not struggling with that thing anymore that I was struggling with. Or, it doesn't seem to be controlling me as, as much as it did before. also says, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
It is God himself that does the transforming. You don't need to change yourself. You just need to work with God. If you're a football fan, if you're not a sports fan, just hold on tight. Just, I'll make this quick here. But uh, during this time, especially the Seahawks season, it's, just, it's very exciting right now. The Seahawks are doing awesome. And it was fun hearing different things. And I heard one player, and I didn't even catch his name, but he said something that caught my ear. They're talking about the, the time of changing, the beginning of the season to what's going on now, what's happened. And he mentioned the phrase, we believed in the process. We believed in the process. There was a process from how they were doing before where they lost two games in the almost like third way of the season. They're only about 50%. But something happened. They believed in the process along the way, and they started seeing positive results. What if we believe in the process, what God wants to do in our hearts for 2019? We are. I have a list. It does not... It's not be the list, but here's something to be thinking about. Here's, here's four things that might help you in the process. For one, have faith. Take a, faith is action. Take a step out. You may fail. You get back up again. Try it again. Two, obedience to the word. Get in the word and obey it. You may read and go, oh, I didn't realize I shouldn't be doing that. Well, now you know. That means getting into the Bible, reading it. God's Word is powerful. Three, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Very simple. If you're driving and you receive the yield signs from time to time, it doesn't mean you just go. It means you wait. And sometimes I, I find out a yield sign and I have the right away. I'm still watching out for that person because I'm not sure if they recognize they need to yield. In our lives, sometimes we need to yield what God would say to us. There might be a check in your spirit that says, hey, this needs to be worked on. Especially, ironically, with driving, you know. <laughs> when we get frustrated and get angry, like, why are you doing that, you bonehead, you know. Four, personal commitment. It's been fun this last fall watching two of my daughters use their gifts. One daughter, I won't say her name, but she's my oldest. How'd I do, Lid? <laughs> she loves music, and she desired to learn the cello. She's only been here about two and a half months, and she had her first concert uh, this December. And the teacher was blown away about how well she's doing. And, um, I'm, and I, I don't want to embarrass her or anything like that, but she's doing a fantastic job. But I'm going to tell you, it didn't just happen. I heard constantly her practicing the cello to get better. Keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Some things take personal commitment. What is your personal commitment in your faith, to things changing in your life. What part do you play in that? My other daughter is a natural actor, and she had a play this year, and the, the teacher was blown away that she had never been in a play before because she was so good at it. But she didn't just show up. I, I checked her all the time, time. Do you know your lines? Are you practicing your lines? She knew her lines better than everybody. One of her, one of her classmates actually got sick the week before, and during the play was so nervous well, one of, her, one of her parts in the play was to actually go up, and her character was to whisper what she wanted to say. But instead of that part, she actually went and whispered her, her class or her castmates' next lines. So she, was, she didn't just know her lines. She knew her castmates' line as well. I'm bragging about my daughters. That's okay. It's personal commitment. They committed to it. Sometimes we expect God to do things, but what are we doing? What part do we play?
We love hiking in my family. I don't know if you've got any hikers here. We, one of our favorite places to go is Mount Rainier and to go to Paradise. I love that. It's beautiful. It's a good workout. The air is thin. And from, and from time to time, when my son was younger, he'd been my back. And I, I swear I got the best workout because I was the most out of shape. And then I had this 20-pound kid on my back. And it was a beautiful experience being there. You see the ground. You see the flowers. You see the grasses. And then as you go higher and higher up, the views change. And you get to upper areas, and there's not much grass growing, if anything. There's a bunch of rocks. And sometimes you see snow. And you stop for a moment, and you look behind. And you see where you've been. You may not see the process that God's working with you, but take a stop. Take a look around. Take, take a look around see how you've changed. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Except the steps in changing what God wants to work in your life, it just takes one step at a time. There's a saying that says, how do you need an elephant? If you're vegetarian, don't take this wrong, because it doesn't mean it literally. They're nice animals. You eat an elephant by one bite at a time. Sometimes you look at the end goal that's too far away. Well, don't look at the end goal. Take that one step. Take that first step. Maybe it's, you know, I don't read my, I don't read my Bible. Well, start reading your Bible. I don't always understand it. Try. Find an easier passage. Some people say start with John. I say start with Luke. Luke's back to my favorite gospel. Go for it. Well, I read for five minutes. Hey, you read for five minutes. That's more than you did yesterday, right? Try. Challenge yourself. What does being transformed not? Sometimes we talk about what, what, is, what to be transformed looks this way. What is it not to be transformed? Well, here's, here's three things that doesn't make, that doesn't add that list. Being transformed or being, being committed to being transformed doesn't make God love you anymore. If you'd said, nope, this is the way I'm going to be, God's going to still love you the same. You cannot make God love you more, any more than he already does. The famous John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. There's nothing you can do to earn his love anyways. This has nothing about acceptance. This has all about you growing as a Christian. Two, being transformed does not make you better than others. Now I'm more spiritual than you. <laughs> Here, come, hear my wisdom. As Jeff likes to say, we're all on the same path, but on different stages. Um, he made a great point, and it just stuck with me. Talking about good Christians and bad Christians. He says, no, we're, we're either a Christian or not a Christian. We're just at different stages. Now, I, I, there's many things that he's said over the years that's really stuck with me. So, he's done a great job. Three. Makes you more prestigious or puts you in some special place. But, and rather, the more we give our life to Jesus, the more that we let him transform us to make him more like himself, we actually find our place in lower places. We find ourselves serving more. When you, when you, you read about the life of Jesus, so often he's just simply serving people. He's loving people right where they're at. But what does being transformed do? What does it do? In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
I used to run track. I used to run the one mile and the two mile. And I was not a, a, not a great runner. Just, some people were just long legs, all that kind of stuff. But I liked running. And my best friend was doing it with me. It was great to do something together. And I remember we'd be working out, that kind of stuff. And then we'd come to track meet. And uh, in western Washington, it's rainy, it's cold. So you got your sweats on. You have these big clunky shoes on that you use for, for running and practicing. And then becomes the time to meet. And you're all kind of energized. You're all jazzed up. And then you take the sweats off. And you take those, those clunky shoes on. You have these really, really super light um, cleats. And they've got these little, little teeth in them that just help grip the track. And you go. And it's amazing how before you're, you're so weighed down by all that fabric and those heavy shoes. And then you have these light shoes on. And you're just this very thin fabric. And you just feel like, at times I feel like I, I couldn't keep up with my legs because I felt freedom. Those things that we seem to let stay in our life that hold us back, they, they take away our freedom. And if you give it up to Jesus, it's amazing the freedom that you feel that you can't keep, your, can't keep up with your legs. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't taken it off. What else does it do? is the more and more you give your life to Jesus, the more as he transforms you to make him more like himself, you find yourself having more of a heart for people. You find yourself not being as frustrated as people you were before. Your heart starts to break when you hear about broken families or lost of a loved one. You find yourself wanting to help someone out. Change is continual. It's gradual. And we put a lot of pressure on New Year's, New Year's Eve. We put New Year's resolutions. This is going to be the year. My dad uh, smoked when I was younger. I was barely, very, uh, barely remember it. And uh, I remember one time I was a little guy, probably even younger than my son, who's seven. I remember my dad eating dinner by himself, coughing and choking. And I remember asking my mom, "What's wrong? What's wrong with Daddy?" And he, and she said, "Oh, he's." trying to stop smoking. And I remember years later, he finally quit. He finally kicked the habit. I, I only remember one time he walked to the house and smoked. He never smoked in the house. And when he smoked in the car, he always had the window open. I very vaguely remember that. But I found out later on, years later, my mom told me that he tried quitting smoking so many times. And I don't, and if anybody here smokes, I'm not here to judge you. I've got my own things, Okay. But the point was, he knew it was time for him to quit smoking. It was time for he didn't want that. He didn't want that in his own life, and he didn't want us seeing it. He didn't want us being a part of that. And he tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed, and he finally, finally kicked the habit. And it's been 40 years since he smoked. And he says, now, I can't imagine I smoked those things. He could have given up and kept going for it. He could have kept, you know, it could have, it could have been something that's just, that's just who I am. But no, but because he, he was determined to quit. I was benefited from that. When I laid around the teenage years when other kids were smoking, I had no desire because I saw my dad struggling. I saw, this does not look enjoyable. Why would I ever want to be a part of this? There was a benefit that I gained from that. So in my job, when I see people that are trying to quit smoking, I encourage them, said, hey, don't give up. Keep going for it. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I see it changed life for it. You can do this. I talked to one of my customers that smoked for many years, and he has 
takes a couple inhalers, but I said, how do you feel? Oh, I feel so much better now. You know, those things, those principles that we take place in our life, but we allow God to transform us and make us more like Him, there will be awesome things to speak of it. There'll be, there'll be transformed life. And that's the goal, because in the end, I'm wanting people to see Jesus in my life. So we're going to close in prayer in a moment here. I don't think we'll close your eyes just yet here, but in Philippians 1 6, I want to read it again here. Being confident of this, that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, say that, in me, he who began a good work in me will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is more committed to you changing than you are yourself. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, thank you, Lord, that you love us so, so very much. Lord God, sometimes the sins of our lives will hold us back, to hold us down, and they hold us back from running the race that you've called us to live. God, give us the confidence to know what those things are, to lay them at your feet, and to be free of it. Help us to run, Lord God, that our legs cannot keep with our bodies. Thank you, Lord God, that when we do fall down, you can lift us up. Help us keep going, to keep fighting the fight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that there's a testimony to be had, Lord. Change lives. Our patience to love people the way that you do and still do, did and still do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your awesome and glorious name, the church says, amen, amen. Well, uh, just a real quick reminder, this Tuesday, New Year's Day, love to you guys come out and be part of Day of Prayer. Um, like I've said this before, you may feel intimidated. Bring your Bible. Read the Psalms. Be a part of it. You'll be, it'll be a great way to start the year off right. Also, uh, since you guys are all here, these Christmas decorations look great, but Christmas is over, and we're having a, a takedown Christmas decorations right after the service. Please stick around for a few minutes. As the saying goes, many hands make light work. So please stick around for that. Thank you so much.
Christ is true.